Welcome to the Strength Rehab Podcast. Join your hosts, Raul Axmayer and Brandon Parker, as they discuss the latest information regarding the health and fitness industries. Topics include sports performance, physical rehab, and of course, general health. Remember, this is the podcast where science meets practice. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Strength Rehab's podcast. I just wanted to let you know that our mentorship for September is filling up fast. So if you don't want to be sitting down the sidelines, I highly suggest you RSVP as soon as you can. Also, if you can take like 30 seconds to rate our podcast, give us five stars. We would love you forever. Without further ado, enjoy this week's podcast. Uh, so Zach, what's your story, man? Tell us just a little bit about yourself. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk to you guys. Uh, so my name is Zachary McMaster. I'm a ninth trimester chiropractic student at Northeast College of Health Sciences, formerly known as NYCC. Um, I graduate in early December of this year. And uh, something unique about me, I guess, is during my fifth trimester of school, I had a spinal fusion. Um, and yeah, after that, I kind of just kept on with school. And you know, here I am. <laughs> I'm just going to tell our listeners straight up. This is the <laughs> second time we're going through this because we had a critical error and it ended halfway through. Um, but I'm going to ask this question again, Zach. Um, give us a little bit of a origin story or a little bit of background on how you sustained this injury. And also, what made you finally decide to get the surgery? Yeah, so when it first started, uh, I was deadlifting. Definitely a little bit of an ego lifter back then. Um, definitely just lifting more than I should have, maybe not the best form for what I was capable of doing. And I went to lift the bar or lift the bar, felt a pop in my back, went down, um, right away, direct the bar left, didn't deadlift didn't do any like exercises for a week, let it calm down a little bit, came back, tried deadlift again, couldn't deadlift. Um, at the time it was just like that local low back pain. Nothing crazy. Went to a couple of physical therapists, uh, did some McKenzie protocol, uh, a couple of chiropractors, got some side posture adjustments, uh, flexion distraction. Nothing really helped at all with it. Um, acupuncture, cortisone injections, temporary relief with the cortisone injections, of course, but like nothing sustainable. Um, and then eventually the pain started to go down my leg. Um, and eventually it just got to a point where I couldn't walk really. Um, we would be in uh, like our technique classes and I wasn't even able to like perform a side posture adjustment oh, on, on like people. So yeah, I just got to a point that I'm um, like, I'm in this field. I'm going to be like an, an active career. I got to be able to, you know, perform these, you know, work duties. Yeah. Uh, so got a uh, referral from my PCP. I got a MRI and a CT and a couple of weeks later I got the, uh, I got the surgery. I am curious. So when it comes to the conservative care that you were exploring with physical therapy, acupuncture and chiropractic, did you get any short term relief? Honestly, no, it, oh, okay. surprisingly enough, like, I mean, like stim machines and, you know, heat, sure, maybe a little bit um, adjustments, not at all. Even like, like McKenzie, like press ups and stuff, nothing, um, which now, like knowing what I know now is like, I thought kind of surprising. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, nothing again, other than the cortisone shot that would give like a relief for maybe like maybe a day or two. Nothing really gave uh, relief. Yeah. Wow. And then, you know, prior the the first 
recording that we had, we were talking about how, like you, you definitely waited. What it was like two years? You said that is a long time for you to hold off and finally do it. What was the main reason why you held off for so long? Yeah, so I mean, the whole like being a chiropractor and having back surgery doesn't, you know, it doesn't market itself very well, right? Like the big philosophy in chiropractic is like an adjustment can, you know fix everything, right? Your surgery is not needed. Like that's just a big thing in the field. Um, so yeah, that's what kind of why I held off for a long time. And then it just got to that point, like I said, where I, you know, couldn't work, couldn't walk, couldn't work and do the things I needed to do. So like, I had to get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it should go, right? You exhaust all the conservative care and then you just take incremental steps up that, uh, intervention plan where the end would be surgery. Now, I am curious, uh, did you get side eyes or specific looks your way when people finally found out that you got the the infamous or the forbidden surgery? So actually, a um, couple weeks prior to when I was getting my surgery, I had emailed a couple couple professors um, just telling them what was going on and like some things that may need to happen, you know, so I can, you know, still finish on with the program. And like, I no answers, like for weeks on end, like. I emailed probably four or five different people. No one would answer emails. Like, I know you checked your email, like, you know, like, <laughs> it's just, and it was during uh, like the like middle portion of COVID. So our schooling was a little different. So the first five weeks of my fifth trimester uh, were completely online, just doing lecture work. And then the final 10 were like a mixture of lecture work and then like the in-person technique classes and stuff like that. So I had gotten the surgery, um, but basically 10 days before we needed to go uh, back for like the in-person things. I think it was like Martin Luther King Jr. Day and we had off. So I picked that day and got it done. Um, but yeah, just like I got, there's no communication, uh, like trying to figure out some stuff. And then when I got back and, you know, I had to wear this big back brace for like 12 weeks. Uh, so getting back, definitely, you know, people look at you a little different, right? You know, I got this big brace on, like what happened to him? And then you tell them and, you know, a lot of people are fine with it, like students fine with it, but professors, you know, they do give you that side eye and they ask the question like, well, why did you do that? And you tell them why. And they're like, well, if you would have came in, you know, you came to the student clinic or if you would have, you know, I could have done flexion distraction or so. And so like, it, like they wouldn't, you wouldn't know how to get surgery. And I'm like, you know, you just nod your head and kind of walk away type of thing. Like, cause again, I'm still like, uh, I'm still like in Cairo, I'm still a student, like, you know, they have to know more than me, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> so, you know, when it comes to the surgery, you get it. I am curious, what was the recovery like? What did you have to do? Is there any particular PT that you went through? Was was it a a, a hard uh, recovery? The the big thing that I I think is very interesting here is. You get the tra- traditional chiropractic student. Let's say they did get some type of spinal surgery. They usually have a narrative along the lines of, oh, I had a bad back surgery. Uh, I still have pain. I went to a chiropractor. He fixed me. And now I feel better. Right. Versus, you know, your narrative or your story is just like, look, I tried everything. And this was the one thing that brought me relief. And I'm still wanting to be a chiropractor so I can help other people. Uh, effectively, I guess, inefficiently, right? So um, I'm curious, what was the recovery like? 
Yeah. So I got the surgery. I was out of the hospital the next day. Um, I think it was like two or three weeks after you have to go back in, get x-rays, just make sure the, you know, screws are in place and stuff like that. Um, again, wear the back brace for 12 weeks. You're not supposed to lift like more than a gallon of milk for the first four weeks. Um, and then after that, I think you can add like five pound increments throughout the day, but they still say like, like no spinal flexion, anything like that, you know, which at the time, like makes sense. The fusion has to heal. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, I was in that back brace, you know, limiting my movements. You can't really do much. Um, get to that 12 week mark, get the, uh, x-ray, make sure the fusion's good. We're good. We can kind of start, you know, building back up. Right. Um, the funny thing is actually, I had asked my neurosurgeon before I got the surgery, if I would ever be able to like lift again, you know, like I'm big into, you know, lifting, like I love squatting, deadlifting, you know, overhead presses and stuff like that. He looked at me, he's like, absolutely not. Like, no way, (laughs) nothing. Like, he's like, do you not want to do all that, have all that axial loading uh, on the spine with like a squat or like an overhead press? Uh, Basically, why would you want to deadlift again too, after you injured yourself deadlifting? Which I'm like, you know, Fair point, I guess. Um, and like at the time, you know, I don't, again, I didn't know as much as I know now. I'm like, this guy's telling me I shouldn't do these things. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it, you know. Um, but anyway, I got past that. It's uh, eventually. Uh, I have a good trainer, good friend of mine, Devin Pioli. He's come on the podcast before. Um, he kind of introduced me to like some other news research and stuff like that. And you know, I read some stuff on my own. I worked with him a little bit. We started to do like some spinal flexion movements, like just toe touches, just introduce the movement, movement again, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, and we just slowly build ourselves back up. So like I did like RDLs, um, I did like, um, what are they called? Uh, trap bar deadlifts, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And just like eventually worked myself back up to just conventional deadlift, you know? You know, of course I didn't like just put four or five back on the bar and, you know, <laughs> try to deadlift that, right? But, you know, over time, you know, I've been able to build back up and like now I've actually PR'd like I've deadlifted like 450 like since go. that. So it's and I've been able to squat. I'm almost at four or five squat now, like nice. been able to do these things that you like, I just didn't think I'd be able to do beforehand. So it just that stuff like that just goes to show how resilient the body is and how adaptable it is. Right. And like it, it just, it's just cool to see the process. I mean, it took a long time, mm-hmm. like. I didn't feel comfortable under a bar for probably like eight months after the surgery. Mm-hmm. Like I was you know, nervous, right? Like sure. I got injured doing stuff like that. So, but yeah, I mean, like now I feel great. I have no issues. Again, I golf three, four times a week. Now I'm in volleyball leagues. I lift five, six times a week. Like I feel great. So it's not like surgery is the first choice, like obviously, but like just because you have surgery doesn't mean like it's, it's over basically, you know? Mm-hmm. When it comes to the symptoms that you were experiencing, the localized lower back pain turning into the sharp leg pain, um, was it immediately gone after your surgery? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember laying in the hospital bed when I woke up from anesthesia and um, having the nurse lift my leg up for me to make sure the shooting pain wasn't down the leg. It was great. <laughs> no pain at all. <laughs> wow. You know, a lot of like pain after the fact, obviously, from the surgery and like the recovery process was... Uh, you know, strenuous, but I mean, that's the first thing I checked after the surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody yank my leg right now. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Like r- right away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, you, you know, you're going through chiropractic school. You're about to be finishing up here shortly. Um, what's the goal, man? Like, what, what are you looking to be doing? Yeah, I want to do like a rehab-based practice, you know? I mean, there's just not enough evidence to support, like, a lot of the claims, you know, chiropractors make and stuff like that. You know, there are, um, like you guys have said, like, adjustments and, like, passive modalities have their place for mm-hmm. sure. But, like, they're all, te- they're all Band-Aids, right? Like, I want to be able to, like, prescribe exercises for patients, clients. I want to be able to help them, like, take care of themselves on their own. Like, I don't need patients coming in three times a week for six months. Like, that's not that's not what I want to do. Like, it's, it's no benefit to them, you know. Like, I, I want to be as, like, I guess, ethical and just evidence-based as possible. So that's my goal. Um, the mentorship has helped a lot. Shout out to you guys. Um, yeah, like. That's the plan. <laughs> now, when it comes to your experience, I mean, it's quite the experience. I mean, you've been in pain for two-ish years, and then you go through what I would consider a big surgery. And then I was now you're a success story, right? Like you're, you're doing well. You PR'd on multiple lifts, and you feel great, and you're super active. Hey, you're more active than I am right now, <laughs> right? Um, now, do you – I? First and foremost, do you feel like because you've been in pain for that long, do you think you can connect to somebody or at least be extremely empathetic to somebody else who's in pain? For sure. Um, that's definitely something that I definitely looked back on all this experience and it took some time to really, you know, ask the question, like, is it worth it? Like, was this worth it and stuff like that? And at first it, I didn't think it was, but after all, you know, everything I've been through and stuff. I would say it is because I can, I, I can be more empathetic towards a patient. Um, I can tell them like, Hey, again, 95% of these, you know, herniations and stuff like that will heal on their own. But if it doesn't, and if it doesn't, this is an option. And if you have to take this option, that doesn't mean you're not going to be able to do these things. And I can, you know, kind of, I guess, be that success story and like, you like tell them that they're going to be fine. Like they just, it's going to take some, it's going to take some time, you know? For sure. For sure. And the thing is, is like when the second you say spinal surgery, I mean, even I would go, whoa, whoa. And having that conversation with patients can be touch and go. Right. So like, for example, I had to have a conversation with someone not too long ago saying, hey, we kind of exhausted all conservative treatment. And now this is this is kind of the options you're looking at. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to kind of convince you to go one way or the other, but it all depends on your timeline, your preferences, and what you would like to do. And he seems to be leaning towards the well. He, he's looking at disectomy, uh, but it's a hard conversation because as a clinician, you know you have to weigh out the pros and cons for them because you're a little bit more uh, well versed in the in the the, the literature. But it's um, you kind of feel like, OK, I you can't be biased. Right. So because the second you maybe give a little bit more pros to this area than this, then you're like, oh, OK, I just convinced him to go a route that he may or she may have not wanted to go. So it's really cool that you're going to have that anecdotal knowledge and experience to pull from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a pretty cool case that I think everyone can learn from it because in one side of the story you have like chiropractors saying, oh, surgery is never needed, adjustments can cure everything. But if you think about it, like if you see the evidence-based like community, they're like, oh, like 
only like 97%, they're not going to need surgery. So you're probably part of 97, but what if they're part of that, of that 3% like, like Zach here? So mm -hmm. I, I still think that, and I've said it before, um, like the bio part of the whole biopsychosocial like movement, it's very important that, and I think that a lot of people in the, in the evidence-based world just neglect it almost like a hundred percent but it's clearly still important because in like for example in sex case after the surgery boom pain-free just like that so there was clearly the bio part very active there so i think <laughs> no. it's, it's a pretty cool case now before we finish this up here uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you zach and ask you any questions about your experience uh your perspective on what you went through where can anyone find you Uh, yeah, so on Instagram, uh, Zach McMaster 11. Uh, yeah, and just feel free uh, to send a message. Any questions? I'm feel like I'm happy to answer. Um, I don't mind at all. I like helping people with stuff like this because it is unique, and there are some people out there. I'm sure that you know have you know dealt with this kind of stuff. So yeah, I don't mind at all. <laughs>